Hi, Greg Perry, the historic preservationist, slipping into a new genre tonight, a new episode of alchemy. So what is alchemy and, and how? Alchemy, alchemy is the art of transformation. That's it. It's done. The art of transformation. But let's, let's move on. For that's only the beginning. The goal of alchemy is transfer, transformation for the better be that actual gold or golden spirit, transforming base metals into their essence, lead into gold, for instance, is both an actual alchemical experiment and a roadmap for transforming the spirit or the mind. Alchemists work to transform all things into their highest form and thus change the course of that thing's life or existence. This is what alchemy is all about uncovering the essence of everything. The word alchemy, and chemistry for that matter, comes from the Egyptian word chem, which refers to the natural process of transformation along the banks of the Nile River. Every year, the Nile would flood depositing chem, the fertile black soil that was integral for supporting ancient Egyptian agriculture. The earliest books on alchemy appeared around 2,000 years ago in Egypt, China, and India. By 300 CE, the basic principles of alchemy were well established, and they influenced everything from Aristotle's philosophy to Chinese Taoism. Alchemy's huge breadth of influence was largely thanks to the Egyptian library in, at Alexandria which housed all of the most important alchemical texts and became a mecca for alchemists and scholars of the ancient world. Those texts risked being lost to the world if it weren't for the Arabs who, after taking control of Alexandria along with the rest of Egypt, translated and expanded upon the work of the Egyptian and Greek alchemists before them. Arab alchemists, made many important alchemical discoveries, like the concept of alchemical sulfur and mercury. In the Middle Ages, Arab culture came into contact with Europe in Spain and Southern Italy, allowing for the exchange of Arab ideas and innovations, including alchemy. Arab alchemical texts were translated into Latin, and the study of alchemy quickly spread throughout all of the medieval Europe. The church wasn't too keen on this new alchemical fascination, though. What to alchemists were soul-transforming experiments seemed to a church a little bit too much like magic. Alchemists did their alchemists did their best to hide their code, their their experiments in the Christian language and symbols, but it wasn't always enough to convince the church. Alchemists even today are often misrepresented as kooky, Merlin-like sorcerers. It's an association that bears some truth, though, since so much of alchemy dances between the unknown and the known, the metaphysical and the physical. By 1595, physical experiment-based alchemy began to be separated from more ethereal mental and spiritual alchemy which worked to transform the mind and spiritual self. Throughout the 17th century, chemistry began to emerge. 
and by the late 18th century, chemistry altogether supplemented alchemy. Alchemy was pushed into the fringes, relegated to being the pseudoscience that created chemistry rather than a complex physiological system that had been practiced for many millennia. It's largely thanks to the psychologist Carl Jung that the metaphysical dimension of alchemy returned to prominence in the 20th century. The alchemist's understanding of mental transformation inspired Jung's own understanding of how to treat his patients. Today, Jungian psychology has given rise to the modern concept of mental alchemy. In the following chapters and episodes here, I will dive into the three dominant forces of alchemy today, mental, spiritual, psychophysical, to frame each one in its own separate context. So the different facets of alchemy. When you think of an alchemist, you probably imagine a bearded old man in a castle dungeon surrounded by bubbling potions and mystical powders, working day and night to turn lead into gold. Turning lead into gold was certainly a piece of the alchemical puzzle. But a few legendary alchemists are even believed to have successfully created gold. But there's a lot more to alchemy. Alchemists from around the world conducted all sorts of outlandish experiments. Chinese alchemists, for instance, invented a little-known exploding powder called gunpowder. Luckily, for those of us who aren't looking to make explosives in our kitchens, alchemy just isn't pyrotechnics. Alchemy transforms or transmunitions can either be physical or such as our bearded individual we talked about turning lead into gold or metaphysical concerning the soul and the mind. Transformations are happening around us all the time. Merely acknowledging the ubiquity of transformation, alchemists believe allow one to start to see the essence of the universe. What alchemists call the one mind. Physical or exoteric alchemy is based on the transformation of actual substances using the elements, air, fire, water, and earth. Alchemists devise all sorts of experiments from creating a golden tree in a test tube to burning lead-based powders to create a golden fire, the black dragon. Scratch beneath the surface and changing lead into gold is only the beginning of alchemy. Alchemists were equally committed to transforming themselves since it was believed that only an alchemist with a pure soul could successfully transmute base metals into higher metals. In esoteric or spiritual alchemy, the same steps used to turn lead into gold were used to transform leaden impure souls into enlightened golden souls. Unlike typical religious study or prayer, spiritual alchemy is all about refining the baser parts of yourself, such as your fears, doubts, and self-hatred, to reveal your truest enlightened self. It's like achieving nirvana or becoming awakened at one time. While spiritual alchemy is both transforming your soul, mental alchemy 
is about transforming your mind. Studying mental alchemy can help you break free from familiar mental ruts, like looking at your phone today, right when you wake up in the morning. If mental alchemy, with mental alchemy, you take into account small, actionable steps towards changing your mind into a friendly, welcoming place full of kind and understanding thoughts. So we're going to dive into the next forms of alchemy. We're going to start with um, physical alchemy, and that'll be the the last of the three, or the first of the three we're going to kind of endeavor into tonight. So let's talk about physical alchemy. Physical alchemy is all about the practical in the laboratory elements of alchemy. And this is the one that interests me the most. And one of the most important experiments in physical alchemy is the transformation of baser metals into higher metals. In alchemy, the transformation of any metal could be accomplished through the successful completion of seven stages of transformation. For now, all you need to know that it is the goal of these stages is to refine any material into its purest state. This work to purify matter is known as the great work or magnum opus, and it could ultimately result in creating the philosopher's stone. According to lore, the philosopher's stone is a physical substance capable of transforming anything into its highest form. To create the philosopher's stone, an alchemist needs to unify all the opposing elements, air, fire, water, and earth. I'll delve deeper into these elements in our next segment, but for now, just being able to know that alchemy is all about unifying opposites such as these. Now, um, you may be thinking that the physical alchemy has all but been replaced by chemistry. Not so. While it is true that physical alchemy eventually gave rise to modern chemistry, chemistry still loads a huge debt to alchemy. Early alchemists developed some of the earliest known laboratory equipment, some of which chemists still use today. Around 200 CE, Maria Professa, also known as Mary of the Jewess, invented the, a host of different alchemical equipment, including the tribicos. It is a doubled wall container, the type of amblyacic that aids in the collection and distillation of heated substances. Today, modern versions of this are still used in chemistry labs all over the world. Beyond what alchemy has given to chemistry, some academics continue to practice physical chemistry, like the history and science professor Lawrence Principe. Tucked away in a small university laboratory, Principe tries to decode experiments from alchemists' strange symbols and cryptic writings to better understand the alchemists of centuries past. There's also an international alchemy guild, which was founded in 1998 by modern-day alchemist Dennis William Huck. The IAG was founded to educate and support the work of these interested in physical alchemy today. According to the IAG, there are more licensed alchemists now than ever before. But even if you aren't ready to hop into the accredited alchemist training program, physical alchemy still has a lot to offer. 
Our bodies and lives are full of physical transformations. Just look at an old photograph and notice how you've changed. Or watch spinach turn, in, turn a vibrant green in a saute pan. Physical alchemy is all around us in these everyday transformations. Taking time to acknowledge these transformations is the easiest way to understand a basic tenet of alchemy. Transformation is everywhere. When we acknowledge that truth, it helps connect us with the energy of the universe or of one mind, as alchemists put it. So uh, Greg Perry signing out. Hope everyone uh, enjoyed uh, this new endeavor, this new genre into alchemy. And we will continue this uh, in a few uh, few days from now. Thanks so much for what? For listening. Thank you.